Thanks for tuning in to the IGM podcast. We're so glad you've decided to explore God's word with us. We look forward to connecting with you in email at infointegritygm.com or online at our website, www.integritygm.com. We hope this podcast encourages you to grow in the knowledge of God through his word. Be blessed. Greetings to everyone in the name of Yeshua the Messiah, in the name of Jesus the Christ. Today we're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians chapters 3 and 4. I have Yoni with me today. Yoni was not with me for the introduction in the first two chapters. So just a reminder to everyone about some of the background. Not going to go back and rehash everything that we talked about. But just remember to read Acts chapter 18 verses 1 through 11 about how Paul came into this city started this congregation, was there for a year and a half, and how God used him mightily in that city, and how God protected him in the city of Corinth, where he experienced fear. Because God comes to him by a vision and says, do not be afraid any longer, keep on speaking. It's the only time that we see in Paul's ministry where we really see timidity within his life. Now, later on, he's going to speak to Timothy many years later because we're looking at around A.D. 55 in which he writes this uh, letter from Ephesus back to Corinth. While Paul was in Corinth, he had experienced fear. Later on, he's going to write to Timothy between 63 and 67 A.D. He's going to write back and say, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Paul had experienced that coming into the city, but God gave him a year and a half where no man came against him within that city. God knows what we can handle, what we need at that time within our lives. When we get to the second letter that Paul is going to write back to the Corinthians when they reject, many reject this first letter, you see how much he has suffered up to that point for the gospel. So when he gets to Corinth, he is really beaten down physically. Fear has come into his life, but God comes to him and says, Do not be silent. Keep on speaking. Do not be afraid any longer. So we see this background. That gives us some understanding of chapter 2. He says, When I'm with you, I was with you with fear and with trembling. And he was beaten down, but he determined to know nothing among them except Jesus Christ and him crucified. That is what's going to change the people in Corinth is the message of the gospel. Mm-hmm. Now, the background of the city, 650,000 people, 400,000 were slaves, 250,000 were free. It was a philosophical city. Philosophers would come in and people would buy tickets to go and hear them to speak and to bring their philosophy. And then they would align themselves with these teachers. That explains a little bit about the believers in chapter 1 of some aligning themselves with Apollo, some with Cephas, some with Paul. Some are saying, we are the Christ group. There was this tendency within the Hellenistic culture to have your teacher, your philosopher. Also, the immorality of that city. When people came in and participated in the immorality of Corinth, they were described as being Corinthianized. There was one temple in that city dedicated to Aphrodite. 
that had a thousand prostitutes within that one temple. And that was a natural thing that took place in all the pagan temples that part of their worship was temple prostitution. And so that immorality within the city, the philosophical city, a hedonistic city based upon what I can get for myself, money, getting more and more, it sounds very similar to Western society today. So if you can think of San Francisco, Las Vegas, Amsterdam, Tel Aviv, any of these very, very secular cities where people come in and they participate in the sin of that city, and all of these cities are steeped into Eastern religion at the same time. That's what we're dealing with with the city of Corinth. He reminds them that when he came to them in chapter 2, he came to them with the simplicity, or let me say it in this way, with the basic elements of the gospel that changed them by the power of God's Spirit. Chapter 1, not going back and rehashing all of chapter 1, but he reminds them that we should all come into agreement under the authority of Christ. Christ has not been divided. Paul did not die for you. You were not baptized into Paul, but we are all under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And so these elements and these factions that are developing did not come from Peter, did not come from Paul, did not come from Apollos, and Christ is not divided. We all come in agreement, in unity, under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. He reminds them in chapter 2 of their humble beginnings through a life in the Spirit. And now that brings us to chapter 3. I'm going to ask Yoni here this morning if you could read all of chapter 3. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual men, but as to men of flesh, as to infants in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not yet able to receive it. Indeed, even now you are not yet able, for you are still fleshly. For since there is jealousy and strife among you, for you are still fleshly. For since there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshly? Are you not walking like mere men? For when one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not mere men? What then is Apollos, and what is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, even as the Lord gave opportunity to each one. I planted, Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but God who causes the growth. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, but each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God, which was given to me, like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation, and another is building on it. But each man must be careful how he builds on it. For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will become evident. For the day will show it, because it is to be revealed with fire, and the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which he has built on it remains, he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If any man destroys the temple of God, God will destroy him. And the temple of God is holy, and that is what you are. Let no man deceive himself. 
If any man among you thinks that he is wise in this age, he must become foolish, so that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness before God. For it is written, He is the one who catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the reasonings of the wise, that they are useless. So then let no one boast in men, for all things belong to you, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the word or life or death or things present or things to come, all things belong to you and you belong to Christ and Christ belongs to God. Praise God and thank you, Yoni, for reading this long chapter here. So incredible the things that he is building upon. The first four chapters really flow together, I believe, as one subject. Because when you get to chapter 3, now we're going to start dealing with this understanding of progressive sanctification. Now, in Scripture and other places, we are a new creation in the Messiah. However, we also understand that we're babies. Look at verse 1. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual men, but as to men of flesh, as to infants in Messiah. So yes, they have come to God. Yes, they have been changed. Chapter 2, they received the Spirit of God, but they're infants, Mm -hmm. and they should have grown up. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not able to receive it. Indeed, even now you are not yet able. They were infants from the beginning. They should have moved from the milk to the meat, They should have been able to grow up, but because of these factions that were in the church at Corinth, they're still infants. They're still not able to move beyond the division that is taking place because some say they're of Apollos, some say they are of Cephas, some say that they are of Paul, some say they don't recognize any of them, they are of Christ, and we don't know much about that group, and not realizing It's not about any of that. We all come under the authority of Christ, whether it's Apollos, Paul, Peter, whoever it is. And if we're going to stay in that situation of identifying through one individual, then we're still going to be babies in the faith. Could could you almost say, looking for a a leader that we say, this is the person I follow, is is a sign of immaturity? Exactly. Hmm. I think scripturally... This is what Paul is saying. So you have one person that says, I only listen to this person, or I follow this person. Well, I'm a part of this denomination, and this is my identity, and I don't associate with these others. We're right, you're wrong. They are infants in the faith. Mm -hmm. And instead of being mature in the faith, they're stuck in a holding place where they're not able to grow up in the things of God. And I believe that your observation Mm -hmm. there is very correct. They're still fleshly. Look at verse 3. For you are still fleshly, for since there is jealousy and strife among you, because when we're aligning ourselves with one over another, there's jealousy involved. Mm -hmm. I'm right, you're wrong, and instead of coming under the banner of the Lord Jesus Christ and seeing our identity and his authority over all of us, then we have jealousy among ourselves and then there's strife among us. See, I don't have a problem with denominations. I have a problem with denominations that say that we're right and you're wrong. Mm-hmm. 
I think it's a good thing that we group ourselves and organize ourselves and have accountability of what we believe and the direction that we are going. As we're organized, we can do great things for God. But I have a problem with a denomination that says, well, we're right and you're wrong and you're outside of the faith and you need to be part of what we're doing. We come under the banner of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeshua the Messiah, He is the head. We're under His authority. So whether you're with this group or that group, we're brothers in the faith. Hmm. And we're going the same direction. And let's act like a family, the family of God. So yes, I may like Apollos' teaching better than Paul's. But I understand Paul represents the gospel, Apollos represents the gospel, and Peter represents the gospel. And we're going in the same direction and we are not divided. Christ is not divided. It's not about Paul. It's not about Apollos. It's not about Peter. It's all about serving Christ. Hmm. And then that flows in to look at verses 5, 6, and 7. What then is Apollos? And what is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, even as the Lord gave opportunity to each one. I plant it. Apollos came later. He watered. But God causes the growth. All the glory goes back to God. Paul planted this congregation. He's going to be described as a father later on, a father in the faith, one that birthed and gave birth to these believers. But Apollos came along, and God used Apollos as well. He watered the seeds that Paul had sown into the hearts of the Corinthians. But it's God that gives the increase. And we see this great principle. I planted, Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but God who causes the growth. Mm -hmm. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, but each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers you are God's field, God's building. Mm -hmm. They are the temple of the Holy Spirit that we're going to see later on. They worked. Paul and Apollos are nothing because all of their work is in vain if it's not God causing the growth. Hmm. The Spirit of God bringing the growth. Paul planted Apollos watered. He came and saw what was taking place. But it's the Spirit of God that is causing the increase within the Corinthians. So we're not anything. God is everything. And when factions develop, think about this, Yoni. When factions develop, it's not about God, but it's about this evangelist or this pastor or this person on television Mm. or it's about me on this podcast. Well, I follow his teaching. It's not about me. I'm not anything. I may have, what, five people listening. Praise God for those five people. But I shouldn't be elevated to a point for those five people that are listening that they are following me. Only follow me as I follow Christ. Mm -hmm. It is God and his spirit that is causing the growth within their lives. Amen. And I like there's something kind of intangible about this this concept of growth because he's not saying 
the growth came from Bible studies and understanding the original text and the meanings of the words and the and going back to Greek and Hebrew. It's saying the Spirit of God brought the growth, and it's kind of going back to things that we've had in prior podcasts. You know, these fruits are spiritual fruits. They go beyond just what we have in our minds. Yes, it, and I, I'm trying to get more conversational yeah. as we're talking. I get so what some people call mm-hmm. preachy, but it just really comes out of me these truths and what you're seeing is so true. We teach original intent of Scripture. What we mean, we want to get to the truth of the gospel. Yeah. We want to teach it as God meant it to be taught. And then someone comes and expounds upon that. But the reality is, outside of the Spirit of God taking this and convicting hearts Mm -hmm. and changing a person from the inside out, that's where true growth comes within the kingdom. That's the power. That's the power of God. That's what he's talking about in the second chapter. That's cool. And building. He's building a temple of living stones. The people that are listening to me and listening to you, praise God for what God is doing in your life. And I pray that this represents what God is saying here. It is the Spirit of God that is doing the actual work within your heart. And I'm not anything, and you're not in anything. And the people on the television, they're not anything. God is using them, but they only become something as the Spirit of God is taking that truth and planting it in the hearts of people. So that's how we need to understand what we're doing here. And we also have to check our motives because the rest of the chapter is really a warning about our work. As ministers, you mean? As ministers. Hmm. You're saved by the grace of God through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's our only foundation. Now we want to do something for God. Our work is going to be tested by fire, and that's what he's going to start talking about. Hmm. The work of Apollos and my own work and the work of Peter and others that come, it's going to go through a refining of fire. It's going to be tested... And if we do not have the right motives, those works that should bring a reward to us, there is a reward that comes for everyone that is doing something for God. Mm. But if it's not done in the right way with the right motives, it's going to be burned up with fire. And so I like, want to... Like building a big house out of hay, I guess. And yes. then it's just going to all get consumed. Yes. There are <laughs> okay. some people that do it for... They want the fame. They want the recognition. They want the income. They are doing it to give themselves a good name sometimes for status, whatever the reason is. But when we minister the gospel, we have to check our hearts. Why are we doing this? Are we doing it for God's glory? Are we called by Him? Is it all about Him and it's not about us? That is something that we always have to check our hearts. And so when you see... Look at verse 11. No man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Yeshua the Messiah is our foundation that the building is built upon. It's not built upon me at all. It's not built upon Peter. Roman Catholicism Mm -hmm. completely misunderstands the whole understanding of Peter, and we're not going to go into it now, but the foundation is, is Yeshua the Messiah, Jesus the Christ. Verse 12, Now if any man builds on the foundation, what is the foundation? Christ. With gold, silver, precious stones, 
Then he says, wood, hay, straw. Each man's work will become evident, for the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire. Now think about those things that were mentioned there. If it's going to go through fire, gold, silver, precious stones are going to hold up much more than wood, hay, and straw. So it's talking about building on the right foundation. The foundation is Christ. What we're building, each man's work, will become evident as it goes through this fire. And the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. This is something that is a warning for everyone that's ministering the gospel. If a man's work, verse 14, which he has built on remains, he will receive a reward. So if there is gold, silver, precious stones, as the fire comes about that's testing that man's work, it will remain. But the wood, hay, and straw will be built up. I mean, not built up, it will be destroyed. And look at verse 15. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved yet so as through fire. So yes, they built on the right foundation. Their foundation was on Christ. They came to God through the grace of God, through faith in Jesus Christ, through a work of the Holy Spirit. But as they were trying to do something for God, there were other motives that were involved that didn't stand the test of the fire, Hmm. yet they were still saved. So this is something that is a reality. We can be built upon the right foundation, part of the temple of God that God is building, and yet our work has the wrong motivation, and it will be destroyed, but yet we're still saved by the grace of God. Yeah, and I'm thinking about this too, and I I love what you're saying, but it it almost seems like it's, it's applicable to more than just official ministers. Your everyday believer who has that foundation of Jesus they also have a calling to live and to walk, right? And so I guess this is also an encouragement to them to say, hey, make sure that whenever you are loving on your neighbor or you're doing something for the glory of God, the things you're doing hold up. I mean, that's kind of the way I'm, I'm, I'm perceiving that, right? Yes, it's in the context of the factions that are built upon different ministers of the gospel mm. here. However, the principle applies to all of us. Hmm. Because all of us are trying to do something for God. We don't just get saved for the sake of getting saved. The Spirit of God within us, we want to do something for God. You know, if we're truly walking in the Spirit, we want to be a testimony for Him. And we have to check our motives. And we have to constantly go back to God in prayer. Lord, let me be doing everything that I'm doing for the right motives to honor you, to glorify you. I'm not anything. When we cannot say that, then we have a problem. Because Paul says that in this chapter, I'm not anything, Apollos isn't anything. And when we start thinking that we're something, when we're not anything, then there's a problem. And we need to get on our knees before God and humble ourselves before God and just have a contrite spirit and to tremble at his word, and to be humble before God. That's Isaiah 66. It needs to come alive within our hearts to say, listen, God, I'm not anything. Yeah. I'm on television, or I'm, I've witnessed, let's break it down. Let's not even go there. 
I'm at work and I led somebody to faith. Wow, look at me. Look how powerful. I'm a true believer, but this person over here, they're not doing anything. But instead of being humble, sometimes we become arrogant, and that's when we need to really examine what we're doing, how we're doing it. Sounds really scary, because in light of this, you might even need to start worrying, what if the things that I've done, them themselves, those those things themselves end up burning up? Yes. Those, Those very same things I'm taking all this pride in. Yes. And we, we constantly have to die to ourselves daily and constantly check our motives, constantly check why we're doing it. God's called us, yes. God is using us, yes. But we're not anything. Never forget that scriptural truth here in 1 Corinthians 3. We're not anything mm-hmm. outside of God working within our lives. And when we understand that, then we can do great things for God's glory, and we give Him all the glory, we give Him all the praise, and we're understanding that this is a work of the Holy Spirit, and it is God that's causing the growth, mm-hmm. not you, not me. Yeah. It's not my presentation that I'm doing on Sunday morning or my home-run sermon that I put together. Yeah. Paul, chapter 2, I was with you in fear and in trembling. I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified, that you would not be brought to God by wisdom or persuasive words, but by the power of God's Spirit. Mm. And he understood it was a work of the Holy Spirit. Understand what God is doing in your life and how God is using you in the right context. It is a work of God's Spirit. That's convicting. (laughs) It really is. And for the person that is seeing thousands of individuals coming to the gospel, there is that temptation that I'm doing it and that God is using me more than he's using others. And I have a special anointing from God that someone else doesn't have. When actually, when we understand the anointing of the Holy Spirit, that all of us as believers have an anointing of God that is within us. And yes, this person may have a special gift from God, but he must understand that gift comes from God. It's not coming from me. And if I have a gift as an evangelist, be humble and see that this is a work of God's Spirit within me. This is not me. This is God working inside of me through His Spirit. Always humble, always contrite, always trembling at the Word of God, and walking in a way that honors God. Hmm. Yes. Hmm. Now look at verses 16 and 17 before we move on to chapter 4. Do you not know that you are a temple of God? And that the Spirit of God dwells in you. The you here contextually is plural. It's not singular. He's talking to the Corinthian church. If any man destroys the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, and that is what you are. Plural. This is all plural. Talking back to the believers in Corinth. I was always under the impression growing up that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You better watch out what you eat. It's all about what you eat and what you put into the body. Twice this is going to be used by Paul. Neither one of them is in that context. Hmm. Later on is immorality. 
Here it's about people bringing division. And there were people that are trying to bring factions within the body. And by doing that, they're destroying the temple of the Holy Spirit. And if you're destroying the temple, that you are actually working against God. If any man destroys the temple of God, God will destroy him. So a person that is coming and causing factions and dividing the body of Christ in a way that is unholy, then God is saying, I will destroy you. Because we are to build up the body of Christ. We are to build up this temple. It is a holy temple. It is living stones. It is individuals and people, chapter 1, that must come under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if anyone's destroying that, God says, I will destroy him. So you better be careful about going out and making disciples of you or your denomination or your group and everybody has to come and follow you and everybody has to listen to your teaching and shunning everyone else that also names the name of Christ because you're destroying the temple of God. Here we must understand that we are coming together united under the authority of Christ and we're one body, one temple, and we're building this temple all around the world together. And it's the Holy Spirit that's doing this. And so these factions, there's a strong warning that the Word of God is giving to us. We were going to do chapter 4 today, but we're going to wait until the next session. But let's close in a word of prayer. And Yoni, can you close us in prayer, remembering these principles that God has brought to us? And I, I believe that our prayer life should be guided by the Word of God. So if we focus upon these principles, let's pray a prayer in closing that keeps us humble before God. Yoni, can you lead us in prayer? God, we thank you for your word, and we thank you that you give it to us, God, for teaching, God, uh, for us to learn, for us to grow, and it provides insight, God, into the spiritual truths, God, that you want us to really understand. And so, Lord, I pray for ourselves. I pray for every single person listening, God. I pray that you would let those truths grow roots deep in our hearts, Lord, that your Holy Spirit, like we just read about here, God, would bring about the growth. And it'd be, it would bring forth growth, God, and it would cause our hearts to grow in humility and meekness, um, in honesty and authenticity, Lord, um, especially as it relates to how we display you, God, and how we proclaim you, God, through all of our actions of love, of, of teaching, and, and, and evangelism, God. Thank you for your word. Amen. Amen. If you'd like to learn more about IGM or have any questions about this podcast, feel free to reach out to us at info at integritygm.com and connect with us on Instagram at integrity underscore global and Facebook at Integrity Global Missions. If you like our podcast, please share it and leave a review. Thank you for listening. Have a blessed day.